You are listening to a podcast from The National. At a time of complex international and geopolitical conditions and rapidly accelerating technological development, Abu Dhabi once again plays host to the International Defence and Exhibition Conference, or IDEX, and the National Defence Exhibition, NAVDEX, from the 17th to the 21st of February. This is the Business Extra podcast. My name's Chris Nelson. And today I'm joined by the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief, Mustafa Al-Rawi, to take a quick look ahead to IDEX and NAVDEX and talk about the role the military industry plays, both regionally and globally. Later, I talk human resources with Sadek El-Assad, the Chief Executive of Zayda Group, an HR and management consultancy firm uh, with operations in Dubai and Beirut, about the changing face of HR and how it is becoming a more visible influence on today's commercial landscape. Welcome, Mustafa. Good to be here, Chris. It's, uh, it's been very busy in Abu Dhabi these last few days. The UAE, Dubai as well, World Government Summit, Milken Institute. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that busy time of year. It's just going to get worse in terms <laughs> of, of busyness or better Better, better sure. right? Better to be busy than not. Absolutely. Um, Idle we'll, hands. we'll remember in August when it's quiet <laughs> yeah. how much Absolutely. we miss this period. But um, IDEX is going on mm-hmm. uh, next week, and it's uh, sister exhibition NAVDEX um, every two years. Big, big event uh, in the capital. Yeah. Uh, the defense industry, already we've seen the organizers say they're forecasting that deals announced will be more than the... 19.7 billion dirhams that was announced yeah, last time. Just shy of 20 billion, yeah, um, which organizers said uh, will be topped this year round. Um, obviously, the, this region, uh, military spending as a share of GDP in the Middle East is the highest in the world at 5.2%. So uh, with, I guess, the complex uh, face of geopolitical um, international uh, conditions at the moment, it, it's maybe no surprise that uh, they're, they're expecting bigger deals. Well, I think there's a lot. There's a, there's different trends at play, um, as you quite rightly say. There are there are various you know geopolit- geopolitical scenarios at work in the region. You look at what's happening in Syria, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big mess there. There's the fight against ISIS in general. Um, recent, more recently, you had sort of a flare up of of, of uh, piracy on the high seas. Yeah. So you know there, there, there's a few risks and threats that that need to be contended with. Um, other conflicts as well going on um, in in the region. And, and generally speaking, as you quite rightly say, governments in this region tend to spend, relatively speaking, on on defence. Mm. It's important, but also um, it's it's part of the development of these countries. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an, an aspect of um, building up your armies, your navies, your your air forces, your defence capabilities. It's part of developing human capital, giving uh, experience. You, you talk about the UAE and its national mm-hmm. service. Yeah. So you know we're, we're actually at a, a kind of inflection point of the development a lot of countries in this region where defense comes into that absolutely and and um i think it also ties in with you know the the stated ambitions of uh, particularly the gulf states to move away from uh, dependency upon oil i mean the one thing a military industry does do is it employs a lot of people a lot of uh, very skilled people 
Um, so, you know, the development of that possibly through, uh, you know, more involvement of the private sector all ties in with that kind of general ambition. Yeah, you've got local players like EDIC. Um, you, you had more news ahead of it. The Towers and Economic Council saying mm-hmm. the two and a half billion uh, dirham fund is being launched to, to develop the defence sector. I mean, you have the, the Nimmer vehicle that's yeah. built here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, uh, the handguns um, that are also made here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have a manufacturing sector that's beginning to... To, to grow in terms of defense, as you said, that's part of, 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 of a number of important points for the mm. development. So when, when IDEX, NAVDEX comes here and you have uh, exhibitors from all over the world, European countries, the US, Russia, um, you also have UAE homegrown exhibitors as well showing mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. they can do. Um, then it's an important part of also taking a snapshot of where defense is. Yeah. The Saudis a few years ago were making a huge push towards their own development of their domestic defense industry yeah. as well. So it's it's very much a trend in the region at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking to experts this week uh, ahead of the, the two shows, um, many were saying that uh, there's likely, they foresaw a likely um, increase in interest in the naval side of defense um, this time round uh, with, with um, you know, a focus on building up the naval uh, capabilities of, of Gulf states. Um, I think that's an interesting point also on a wider region. I mean, you look at uh, what is essentially an arms race now between India and China, um, and China's uh, growing influence uh, is is creating what these experts uh, refer to as a a perception of threat. And Japan is responding by building its first aircraft carriers, I think first that it's ever built since the Second World War. So... It's not only this region that uh, responds to um, this this idea of threat perception. I, th- I think it's picking up, um, uh, you know, certainly in Southeast Asia, and also I think with the, the collapse of the U.S. Uh, Russia nuclear uh, proliferation pact, that's likely to spur um, an increase in European military spending, which has been in decline for the past decade. There've been te- there are tensions everywhere, and and that tends to go hand in hand with 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 sort of a step change in terms of defence sectors, defense building. I mean, there's also a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy here where, you know, there's the idea of uh, let's spend more on defense and then uh, let's justify it, you know, reverse engineer the reasons why. Um, You know, there's a number of of developments that come from the defense sector. Defense is not just about, um, you know, massive warplanes or or tanks or big guns. There's Mm -hmm. also technological advances. There are also uh, innovations that find their way into consumer uh, behavior as well GPS being a prime example so yeah. you, you can you can see some of that again at an exhibition like IDEX mm-hmm. and Navdex but but I, I think it's more the kind of uh, influence of, of the number of people from the industry gathering here in the capital and what that does in terms of exchanging ideas there's a conference as well yeah. um, and we, we you know we if I think about different periods here we had uh, very much the as you go into the end of the year, end of 2018, you had ADEPEC with oil and mm-hmm. gas, mm-hmm. and then you go into the start of the year and you have renewables with the World Future Energy yeah. Summit, for example, and other other sustainable economy aspects. And then now we're getting into sort of defense. So really, it, it, it's showcasing all the all the different elements of the economy as we go through. And then there'll be um, property coming up. You, you've got cityscape yeah. um, in later, you know, later in the year before the summer. And then we've kind of had the full calendar of, of events. And, and, you know, you need to take a breath. 
with. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, they, we will. Anyway. Yeah, we will hopefully. And then, <laughs> but but next week is gonna is gonna be really big at the mm. RW National Exhibition Centre. Yeah, I think it will be, and I think it's uh, illustrative of of you know how far um, this country and and the and the wider Gulf region has come on the global stage. You know, we've you've got. All the major, major players come here with huge pavilions. You know, I mean, okay, the UAE is is, is going to be the biggest in terms of space, um, but it's followed by the US, Germany, France, Italy, and Saudi Arabia. So, you know, and all those massive players, Raytheon, you know, Thales, um, Boeing, you know, Lockheed Martin, they're all there, and they're all wanting to, they're all wanting the attention of not only uh, uh, this region, but of, of everybody else who comes here. So it's a heck of a melting pot. Um, of uh, big names, and I think it really shows the the strength that this country and this region has now on a global stage. Of course, we'll be covering IDEX and NAVDEX next week, um, and the conference that's going on, uh, the National.ae. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, um, wherever you get your news. We will be there, um, and our correspondents will be will be getting everything, and uh, uh, it will it'll be it'll be very very colourful and uh, an interesting event next week. It will be. Um, Mustafa, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Chris. Welcome, Sadek. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I wonder if you could uh, just give us a bit of background about yourself, how, how you became uh, involved in the HR side of businesses and, uh, and uh, your path to where you are now, was it? Yeah. Well, um, that's funny. I started in finance, my career in finance for like six months. And uh, then slowly I moved into HR because I found it more interesting. It was new in the, in the early 90s. And um, I worked with multinational companies. I was in charge for uh, five projects in Dubai, uh, more than 2,000 employees back where computers were not there. Everything was still manual. And then uh, moved uh, with the same company to Lebanon, to Athens, uh, then I joined a, um, uh, a retailer mm -hmm. for 11 years where I set up the first hypermarket in Abu Dhabi and then moved to be in charge for the South region, uh, Abu Dhabi, Muscat, Qatar. And then I became vice president HR for the same company. That was with Carrefour, yeah? That was with Carrefour, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 And you've also had uh, senior positions with Aramex as well. I, I was the chief HR for Aramex. I started with them as a consultant first. Mm -hmm. But during their transformation, I was asked to join in to do the whole transformation, uh, uh, the transformational role of uh, at Aramex. Mm -hmm. And um, you're now chief exec of uh, Zeta Group, um, set up, I think, about eight years ago? That was set up in 2010 as a um, HR consulting firm for, for corporates and businesses, mm -hmm. uh, where we do recruitment, training, and HR consulting from strategy to implementation. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm right in saying that HR, to a certain extent, to most people who, who are not uh, in HR, um, it kind of seems to be, you know, oh, oh, it's that office over there that does stuff that I don't know about and really doesn't affect me. But that, obviously that's not the case. Um, yeah, of course that's not the case. They're, the, they're seen from some people that they're doing their thing alone in their room. Um, HR has evolved in the past, like, 30 years uh, since I started from the admin role into more HR business partner role. And now HR is, be is becoming more influencer role for the business owners, for the CEOs of the companies to drive the business and to transform the business mm -hmm. from one level to another. And it's obviously, uh, it's a very 
human resources by its very nature is uh, is is you know it's human orientated so so it's not it's not something that you can stick on a, a technological digital platform and and roll out that way but uh zeda is introducing its new um open source management service uh in the levant and the gcc markets can you explain to me how how and what that how it works and what it is well, um, as you're saying, HR is is pure about humans. Humans are individuals; uh, they're not alike. We cannot box them. We cannot put them in groups. Uh, I'm guilty of doing that, in, like 20 years ago, um, and everyone, I guess, because technology was not there to help us doing that. Now, with the changes in the, in the digital transformation age where we are now, HR, ha- the dig- the uh, the digital um, and technological advancement can help HR segregate each individual and work with each individual as an individual. And this is what uh, uh, OSM does, and Zadr OSM, this is what we do. We go and we work on the individual personal growth. We work on the culture of the individual, we work on the beliefs of the individual. Um, you know, it's easy to uh, replicate a service. Um, you want to open a pizza place. Uh, anyone can do the recipe, can do the um, uh, can do the service, or even if it's a service or a uh, a product. What's difficult is getting the people to really believe in what you're doing and work towards that. And this is what we do at ZROSM. We help uh, business owners, we help entrepreneurs, we help CEOs, company owners, and company directors in putting. The, the whole team behind them within, within their beliefs, within their culture, within their values. And this is what makes companies winning. Mm-hmm. We work on the why we're doing this more than the what we're doing. And is that literally a case of, of sitting down with uh, employees and, and, if you like, changing their mindset about, uh, um, about what their role is within the the uh, company that they're in. It is one of them. Of course, it is one of them changing their mindset. The The second part is more of working on the positive side of each individual and putting them on the right place. It's working on the individual, the, the individual contribution of each and where does this sit within the whole overall contribution of the company and direction of the company. I think that's interesting in uh, that, uh, that side of it because... Very often, I'm sure, uh, workers um, are not confident about what their um, uh, what, what how they are benefiting each each uh, company or, or or any section that they might be in. Um, I guess what you're saying is it, it part of what the service does is to um, illustrate how they uh, are an integral part of any team. Um, is is that kind of development relatively new to this region? It's uh, it's a bit it's new to this region, especially the uh, assessment that we do uh, as uh, as OSM. We do have the eye profile analysis, which is an assessment that works on the cultural um, uh, level of of the person. And it's not people are not boxed. Mm-hmm. People are not you know you're more of sales. You're more of uh, something. There we work on with the person as as a as a whole, and we work within his um, positive sides to make sure that they're aligned within the 
overall strategy of the company. And I guess a lot of it is to do with possibly what you might describe as uh, interdepartmental communication, because, you know, of, uh, I, I know in other mm. companies I've worked for that, you know, you can be in an, in a ro- an open office room mm. and you have no idea what somebody What's two going? desks down is doing. Exactly. This is what I call putting everyone on the same page. This is one of the first things that usually I advise uh, CEOs and business owners to do is to get their management team on the same page. Um, we've all known uh, marketing's fight with uh, with the uh, sales. It's their faults of it's uh, or operations fight with the um, you know all of these things have happened because there was no real alignment between the cultural value, between the beliefs of everyone. When everyone is going with the same direction, and the direction couldn't be. 10 directions. Mm. A company cannot have one direction and every department has its own direction. A company has only one direction and every department is going within the same direction, all on the same boat. Mm -hmm. It seems easy to understand, but believe me, in companies outside, it's it's not as as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, Within the the entire business world, of course, there are various uh, sort of, you might call them categories. in in this region, there are particularly there are uh, is a very strong um, layer of family owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a different approach to a family owned business uh, than to say a, a you know an international corporate? Um, yeah, of course. Usually, family owned business are created by the founder, the father, and who's now in, in a transition period where he wants to relinquish um, uh, power to the sons or daughters or. Um, the second generation we call. And it's not easy because for the founder, he has done these steps. He has his his, his um, attitude towards work and knowing every small details about the company is integral to his, was integral to his success. The only difference is that now, if they want to grow, if they want to relinquish power, um, it's not easy. It's against his, uh, he needs to get out of his comfort zone. And this is where we help them uh, and uh, and uh, the, genera- the second generation to be able to take the ball slowly and segregate the the the, the power and uh, the decision making um, uh, in in and transit doing it in a transit way so as um, the transition is smooth. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of. Um removes the possibility of a kind of a shock of, of change exactly. in leadership. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have seen business owners who've, who've created businesses and once the, the the second generation came took over, they were sitting in their office doing nothing. And that's that's difficult for them. Mm. They've been involved in the business. They know every small details about it. And um, you, can't put, you can't do that to them. They need to stay involved in big parts because there is they have still a lot to contribute to, mm-hmm. but no need to overwhelm them with all the small details. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, your company works with um, entrepreneurs, uh, mm-hmm. which is almost at, right at the other end of yeah. the scale. Yeah. Um, what What do you see as, as the, the the most common um, mistake? Is probably the wrong word, but the most common. Uh, um, approaches that are, that are uh, that can be improved with mm. an entre- from an entrepreneurial point of view. Well, look, all our researchers has shown that no one can have the idea, implement it, operate it, sell it, and count the money. This person doesn't exist. Okay, so usually an entrepreneur has a good idea, and then they start doing it on their own when they start up 
which is still fine at the startup stage. But once they want to grow, once they want to scale the business, they're going to need people around them. They're gonna, they don't need to become accountants to understand finance, but they need to understand the gate to have an eye on the gauges of important gauges of the finance. And they don't, they don't need to understand the whole financial um, uh, theories behind them, but at least to know what each one means. This is in terms of finance or in terms of operations um, uh, or in terms of uh, sales also. Mm. It's the same thing. This is how uh, entrepreneurs grow. If we look at ev all entrepreneurs around the world who really made it big in, uh, in the last uh, 100 years are people who worked with other people. Mm. It's not people who've done it alone. We can do any business alone and we'll stay on, a, on, on our scale within our business. When we start working with other people, this is where we grow. And the, the ability for an entrepreneur on, or indeed uh, any business owner to recognize uh, the talents that his or her uh, operation needs, is that inherent or can that be taught? That <laughs> While most of them they think it's inherent, mm. but this, this can be taught. And the good thing is that we have the tools for that. That the tools that we've been using for the past 30 years, OSM has been using for the past 30 years around the world, to be able to really assess who is what and what are, what are the beliefs and what, what is the culture of everyone. So this way, the business owner will be able to decide, okay, I need this person in sales, I need this person in finance, I can count on him, we have the same vision, we think alike, and this is... Um, uh, nine out of ten, this is more important than the skills that the person has. So it's that ability to interact, um, as you say, w with a cultural understanding of, of uh, where everybody sits. Exactly. Uh, it, it, again, it comes down to communication, I suppose. Um, it, it all goes back to interpersonal skills. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially the higher we go in, in, the, in the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, there are, of course, yeah. there, there are, um, you know, tales of, of very uh, powerful business people who are absolutely awful to work with. Um, have you come across that? I mean, I'm not oh, asking you to name names. Mm, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> and when you do, how, what's your approach to changing their, uh, their well, outlook? Uh, some of them, and the thing is they are awful to work with because they've seen that in the past this is what worked with them. The only, dif the only dif uh, difference with, these, with the people like that is that they have a ceiling. They have created for themselves a, uh, a transparent ceiling a, uh, for them that they won't see and they won't be able to grow. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, there are like 20% of the people that we can't change. You can't change. We can't change. Yeah. Let's, let's admit it. People are people. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's the most difficult um, uh, uh, mind, the, the mind, spirit, beliefs, values, every, the whole um, work together is, 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 is too difficult for uh, mm -hmm. for us. Or it's if it's not difficult to change, it's going to take a lot of effort to change, which is, which might not be worth it in terms of time and effort. Do you think, um, uh, sort of going forward, that um, part of approaches like uh, your own with Zeta and, uh, and others, um, is it's necessary to, as we were talking at the start, to, to kind of bring HR and the role of HR more into um, understanding within the business uh, of any business, uh, you know, all all of the the workers to to have a much closer link with what HR does, um, and in a way, that's that's kind of what what your uh, service is is to, yeah. is to bring those things together. Um, 
what what do you think will will, will be um, the important trends of, of, of change on on that going into a um, you know as we move into a, a future business world that that is rapidly changing anyway um, exactly. technology does that anyway but um, what, what, where do you think the the next kind of um, important moves for for HR as a, as a concept mm. um, will be um, well first. Uh, HR will depend on the size of the business. Um, mainly, mainly in small to medium-sized business, is HR is the role of the company owner, of the CEO, of every manager in the in the company. This is the role. It's not a standalone uh, function uh, that happens. It's it's like any other function that is the role of the managers uh, is the HR. This brings us to the to the evolution of HR when it started. Like again. In the 80s, uh, and, and from an admin part, moved into more HR business partner. They changed the name. And at that time, HR needed to understand more the business. Nowadays, HR doesn't need to understand the business. needs to own the vision. Needs, is, the HR is an enabler of the vision, is an influencer for the business owner to be able to take his, um, his leap to, and to achieve um, uh, his goals. Uh, and this... This roles is this um, responsibility lies more uh, on the HR side than the operation side and the CEO side because now the transformation is on the HR. Technology is helping them having more um, tools to be able to have a forward vision because earlier we were always having a backward vision. We were always analyzing what happened last year, what happened last month. Now. With the technology, we can know what's happening today, what's happening now in terms of performance management, continuous performance management, in terms of uh, benchmarking, engagement. Technology is there. And technology is going to help also start giving us predictive analysis on how if we continue with this trend, we're going to lose like 10% of our highly uh, high performer people. or, or uh, So will give us di- direction of what's happening. This will force HR to change their hat and become become more influencers, more decision makers, more enablers of the strategy that the company is going. So HR will, in fact, by the very nature of change um, in the business world, will become not that little office on the outside, but, <laughs> no. uh, but will be an integral part and visibly integral part of any business. It has to. And it's it's their only way to move to be able to to move forward and to contribute and to add value to the business. Sadek, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It's been thank fascinating. You. Same here. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Sadek El Assad for that guide to the often hidden world of HR, and thanks also to Mustafa Al Rawi. No doubt, IDEX and Navdex will once again prove a tremendous success. Thanks also to Kevin Jeffers, our production editor. My name's Chris Nelson, and that was the Business Extra podcast. Join us again next week.